Good morning. My name is Ryan, one of the pastors here, and excited to get to preach another Advent message this morning. Um, we are continuing in Luke 2. We're going to pick up actually where we left off last week and do the, the second half of Luke 2. So I encourage you to open up your Bibles. We, so we have new Bibles now. You will notice everyone should have a Bible yeah. under your chair. Yeah, 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 that's right. <clears throat> so if you need one, it is there. Crack it open, enjoy the smell of a you know, new book and everything. And yeah, if you are physically able to stand, would you mind standing to honor the reading of God's word? So Luke chapter 2, and we are reading starting in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, that is uh, Mary and Joseph, According to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years uh, from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise for my God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is inclined to hear us when we call to you. Thank you that you are a God who lifts us out of the miry clay and takes us out of the pit and firmly plants our feet on the rock. 
Thank you, Lord, that you put a new song in our mouth and a song in our, our hearts to praise you and give you thanks. And so, I, Lord, I pray that this morning, may we trust you as we wait patiently on you. I pray that you would stir in us a faith, a longing for you, and Lord, that in whatever seasons of life we are in right now, God, that our yearning would be to be near to Jesus. So may your Holy Spirit be here in our midst, convicting us, guiding us, directing us, encouraging us. And would you be lifted high, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, as Jay mentioned earlier, we're in the season of Advent, which is a time of reflection on, anticipation of the, the coming of our Lord. And so sort of baked into the, the purpose and the flavor and the ethos of, of Advent is this concept, this reality of, of waiting, right? And there's so many ways that that gets expressed, whether that's Advent candles that are, are gradually lit, you know, and we're we're looking towards the, with anticipation to the day when we remember Christ coming in, the Christ candle is lit. Or the songs that we sing, you know, come thou long expected Jesus, looking ahead to his coming. Or even the, the presents that collect under the tree. Um, I didn't bring presents as a prop, I should have. But, you know, at home, the presents that collect, uh, that you, you, you look at, especially the little ones, look at uh, with anticipation for when you're going to get there rip the, the shiny wrapping off and open up the present and find what's inside. And of course, that's uh, a, a picture of the greatest gift that we have received in Christ. And so we're, we are waiting, and waiting is essential to Advent. But what does Advent have to say for people who are waiting? Maybe for people who find themselves in an acute period of waiting on God for something. You know, there's much that the scriptures have to say on that subject, but I'm really grateful for this passage because in this, uh, there's so much that we could explore, but I especially am grateful for and want to reflect on the two vignettes that we get of people who are waiting, who are waiting for the Messiah in this, in this text. And I think what we see here from, from their lives and from the, the testimony of scripture here is that God works in your waiting. He works in your waiting. He works while you are waiting. He works through your waiting. And eventually, he completes your waiting. So we'll start with that first reflection that God works while you wait, while you are waiting. Uh, this, this text, of course, opens right after the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph travel to Jerusalem to make the offering that was re required and customary according to the law. Uh, that was an offering that was both for Mary's purification after giving birth. It was also to devote Jesus uh, to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. And this was uh, what was done for the firstborn sons. But upon entering the outer temple court, Mary and Joseph were greeted by something they did not expect, something quite unexpected. The very first unexpected encounter was 
uh, with this man named Simeon. We aren't told his age, but we can infer from, from some of the clues that he's likely older. He's you know, well advanced in years. And he is a man that is notable for being close to God. He's described as having the Holy Spirit upon him, right? As, as walking into the temple full of the Spirit or in the Spirit. And in addition to this, he had this direct revelation from God, a promise from the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before seeing the Messiah. The second unexpected encounter comes later in the story was uh, an elderly woman named Anna. And Anna, we're told, is 84 years old. She was married, presumably as a young woman, but was only married for seven years before her husband unexpectedly passed away. And so since that time, she lived as a widow, which means that she spent possibly 60 years living as a widow. And Luke highlights that both of these saints were waiting. Both of these saints were in life circumstances of waiting. They were waiting for the consolation of Israel. They were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, the redemption of Israel. They were hoping, they were longing, they were looking, they were praying for the day when God would bring comfort to his people who were downcast and when he would bring freedom for those who were oppressed. And God's people had for hundreds of years been under the boot of some foreign power with the you know, exception of occasional uprisings and rebellions and things like that. And they had been pleading to the Lord to deliver them. And they looked with eager anticipation for the coming of their Messiah, the one who would bring salvation for their people. And so they prayed and they hoped and they waited. And they prayed and they waited. And they prayed and they waited. And what we see here is that while God's people waited, God was working. He was gradually unfolding his redemptive plan. He was sovereignly aligning the conditions in this world, conditions like the, the Pax Romana that was a protracted period of peace in the Roman Empire after a, a brutal, bloody civil war. Conditions like highways and infrastructure around the empire that allowed for easy travel, transportation around much of the known world. Conditions like a, a common language of Latin and Greek, which made it possible to send communications readily. These kinds of conditions and others presented this, this unique, this perfect opportunity for the spread of the gospel. And it was at this point in history, the Apostle Paul says, when the fullness of time had come, that God sent his son forth. But how long had God's people waited for that moment? How many years? How many decades? How many centuries? Did his people wait with hope for the coming of the Messiah? How many entire lifetimes passed by waiting and looking for his coming, wondering when God would answer their prayers? 
And the point is this. Even when we don't see it, God is still working. Even when we don't understand what he's doing, he is still working. Even when God feels absent, he is still working. In his perfect time, in his perfect way, he is working out his perfect plan. Perhaps you've seen you know, videos, videos online of uh, artists that will, will paint a picture upside down, which just baffles me. I can't paint a picture right side up, let alone upside down. <clears throat> but you see these painters you know, painting this upside down, and you watch carefully each stroke that's going on the canvas is placed, and you're sitting there trying to understand what they're doing, and you watch longer and longer thinking this is going to come together at some point. I'm going to actually see what this is, and it keeps going on, keeps going on. You, don't, you, you can't make sense of what this is supposed to be. And then finally, the artist makes the last few brushstrokes and spins the canvas around, the 180, and all of a sudden it hits you. This, this, this picture all comes together. What seemed like before this disconnected, disorganized splattering of colors and lines and all of this all comes together into one coherent image that you couldn't see beforehand. Perhaps you're in a period of waiting right now where you things feel very upside down, if you will. You find yourself wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing? How long will I wait in this situation? Maybe you're, you're working diligently in your job. You're, you're pouring yourself out into some aspect of your career, and it seems like no matter what you do, no matter what you try, it just you cannot get the results you're looking for. You, you can't make progress. and you, you feel disappointed or you feel disillusioned. Maybe you're living with a fractured family. Your attempts at, at mending these wounds, at addressing sin, at promoting reconciliation have just seemingly led to nothing. And now you endure every day with the painful realities of, the, of those damaged or even severed relationships. Maybe you're enduring the discomfort that comes with chronic pain or illness. And some days it feels deflating, other days it feels debilitating. And you wonder, how long, O oh Lord, will I wait? I want you to know this from the example that we see here in this text. God is not far from you. He is not absent. He has neither forgotten you nor abandoned you. Rather, like the master painter, he is he's working in your life and in the lives of all of those around you and in the lives of people throughout this world to create something spectacular. And you yourself and your waiting are part of his redemptive story that he has been weaving together for millennia. Your life with its combinations of bright and dark colors is part of his masterpiece. And the work he's creating will not only be beautiful, it will lead to your greatest joy. So do not lose heart. God is working while you're waiting, even if it's hard to see.
Second reflection, God works through your waiting. You know, there's another attribute that Luke hones in on about both Simeon and Anna. They're both waiting, but he also describes both of them as devout. The gospel writer highlights their holiness. You know, we aren't given the the details behind Simeon's circumstances, but we do know those details about Anna's life. As we reflected on earlier, she lost her husband at a young age, and she likely lived as a widow for six decades. And there's no subsequent husband mentioned, there's no children mentioned, presumably because they are not in the picture. She lived the vast majority of her adult life alone. But what did God do through her waiting? Through her waiting, God shaped her into a valiant woman of faith. She's noted for how much time she spent in the temple. It said she did not leave the temple. She was the church lady who was up here. She had, not just every time the door was open, she had the key. She was up here all the time. She was a woman who worshipped every moment she could. She was a woman who hungered for God and expressed it through, through fasting. She was a woman who poured out her soul in prayer to him. Day and night, she was in the temple seeking God. And through her time of waiting, God shaped her into a valiant woman of faith. And he also made her into an evangelist. He says it's, it says here that she went to speak of him to all who were waiting. So she heard this news. God had prepared her heart and her life to be watchful for this day. And then when it came and she heard this news, she went and told everybody she could find. She's knocking on every door, every person in the temple, everyone around there. She's telling the Messiah has come. He's here. God works through our waiting to refine us, to transform us. The Lord allows our trials to shape in us perseverance and character and maturity as we, we see this attested to throughout the New Testament, throughout the witness of, of Scripture, of course. He draws us near to him and develops us into men and women who are, are holy and devout and sanctified. He fills us with his spirit to the brim and overflowing. He, he cultivates in us a deeper delight in him and a greater zeal for his kingdom. He uses seasons of waiting to accomplish that in us. You know, over Thanksgiving this year, while uh, we were visiting my extended family up in uh, Tallahassee, we went to see a historic Spanish mission, and we toured, you know, the old, I think mostly reconstructed buildings there and got a little bit of a, a taste for what life was like in the 1600s. And while we were there, we got to watch a, a blacksmith do, do some of his work. And he uh, explained and demonstrated what he was doing. He explained how the, the craft work and the kind of metal that they worked with and, and all the, you know, the ins and outs of blacksmithing. And he, one of the things that he said that I thought was really interesting uh, is he said that there's an ideal temperature that the metal needs to reach before you hammer it. 
if you, if you take it out too early, it's not going to, you're not going to effectively be able to, to shape this. And he said that an experienced blacksmith knows that temperature simply by looking at the color of the, the metal. He can see the color that it's glowing. And in these, these nuances of yellows and oranges and all of that, he can see when the, the metal has reached the right temperature. Or he can see that, no, it's, it's not there yet. It needs more time. And only once it reaches that right temperature does he start hammering to shape the rod of iron or steel into something beautiful. Seasons of waiting can feel much like you're sitting in the furnace of life, right? You're sitting in the fire. Perhaps you hoped to be married long ago, but you still find yourself single. Or you or your spouse have been trying to have a child for years now, but you, you cannot get pregnant. Or you've been wrestling with mental health struggles for longer, longer than you can recall. Or you can't remember the last time that you didn't feel lonely. In those difficult times, we may ask, why, Lord, are you allowing this fire to persist in my life? Why am I still waiting? This side of eternity, we aren't given the specific reasons why God allows each particular circumstance or why maybe some endure more difficulties than others. But we do know that he is working through those difficulties, through pain, through hardship, and through our times of waiting to draw you nearer to himself. And in that time of waiting, he's working to make you into something, to make you more like him. With the precision of an expert blacksmith, he uses this heat to prepare your heart to be shaped ever more fully into his likeness. And so in seasons when you feel like you are going without, like you're sitting and waiting and looking and yearning for something else, in actuality, you are right in the hands of the one who knows you most and loves you best. Your waiting is never wasted. The Lord works through your waiting for your good. And you can cling to that hope as you cling to him more tightly in the midst of it. So God works while you wait. God works through your waiting. And then finally, eventually, God completes your waiting. You know, the story uh, details the, the fulfillment of a promise from God to his people the promise that the Messiah would come. Simeon and Anna rejoice because they know what that means. God was bringing salvation to his people. Their hope for comfort and freedom was, was coming true, was being realized in front of their very eyes. The thing that they waited for, they yearned for, they prayed for was finally coming true. Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. but they only saw in part. 
you consider this, because of their age, certainly for Anna, most likely for Simeon, they likely did not live to see Jesus grow into adulthood. That means they didn't live to see his ministry, to hear his teachings, to see his sacrifice on the cross, or his victorious resurrection from the grave. They only experienced the very beginning of the fulfillment of this promise. But they accepted what God revealed to them in faith, believing that God would bring that about in the future. That even though they did not see it fully now, they rejoiced because they looked ahead and hoped to the day when their waiting would be completed. They saw the infant Messiah and they envisioned the salvation he would bring, the comfort and the redemption that he would usher in, but they themselves only saw it in part. And this is an essential aspect of what it means to be a Christian, is it not? As followers of Jesus, we have, in a way, only seen in part. We know of the first coming of Christ. We have we have learned of his life, his teachings, his death, his res- resurrection, his ascension. We have heard his miracles. We have wept over his sacrifice. We have experienced his, his spirit in our hearts as we've trusted him. But we've still only seen in part. There is a waiting to which all other waitings point. There's a yearning that all other yearnings echo. The circumstances of our lives, the seasons of waiting, the times of looking ahead to a fuller realization, all of those serve to reveal the greatest waiting of our lives. And that is that we wait to see Jesus. Difficult, unfulfilling circumstances of life highlight aspects of the brokenness of this world. They accentuate the ache in our souls to be made whole in and by the presence of God. In our waiting, we too, like Anna, like Simeon, like billions upon billions of human beings throughout history, yearn for the day when God will bring comfort to our achy souls, when he will bring freedom from the oppression and bondage and devastation that is wrought on this world by the presence of sin. We yearn for the day when he will finally make it all right, when he will do away with all evil, when he will wipe away all pain. And on that day, we will see Jesus. And on that day, our questions will be resolved. Our loneliness, our aches, our doubts, our wondering about when these things will finally end. We will know intimately, personally, deeply this reality that all the while that we were waiting, that we did not wait alone, that Jesus was waiting for us. That from eternity past, when God orchestrated a plan of redemption for the salvation of his people, he has been waiting for you for that moment when you will be fully his and he will be fully yours and you will be satisfied in him and rejoice in him and glorify him. And on that day, 
our souls will be truly comforted and deeply set free forever. Sam Albury, a pastor and writer, says this, that the greatest thing Jesus offers us is himself. We might come to faith thinking, I need forgiveness, I need direction, I need mending. But actually, when you go on with the Lord for a while, you realize, I need him. I need him. There's a pleasure in knowing him that you cannot find in anything else in this world. So what is our Advent promise? That there will come a day when we will see Jesus and the waiting will finally end. It will be no more. So how do we live while we wait? Three parting exhortations for us briefly. First, let your waiting lead to fullness. Let your waiting lead to fullness. Like Simeon, I pray that God would use your time of waiting to make you into a man or a woman filled with, Holy, with his Holy Spirit. Would you seek to be so close to the heart of God that your life is described as walking in the Spirit? Be so filled with the Spirit that his promises ricochet around in your heart all day so that when the angst and the uncertainty and the frustrations of the circumstances in your life start to arise, you remember his truth and you hear his voice that he loves you and cares for you and that you are not waiting alone. Listen to his words and walk in dependence on his presence every day. May God use your season of waiting to fill you with more of him. So let your waiting lead to fullness. Second, let your waiting lead to worship. Like Anna, I pray that the season of waiting God has you in would lead you to a greater delight in him. May you ask the Lord to help you more fully see his beauty and his grandeur and his majesty and his power. Ask that he would lead you to better understand his goodness and his greatness. Ask that he would flood you with his love and immerse you into greater depths of his grace. And as he does, let your seasons of waiting lead you to praise him. As you experience loneliness, praise him who promises to never leave you or forsake you, who is with you always and always invites you to come to him. As you wrestle with pain or illness, turn to him in joyful adoration as you remember that he upholds you, that he sustains you, that he is near to you. As you search for meaningful work, give thanks to him who is your true provider who knows all of your needs before you even ask and cares for you more than you can imagine. And so, as you wait, worship. And as you worship, be transformed to one who more fully and more deeply delights in and trusts in him. So let your waiting lead to worship, and then finally, let your waiting lead you to behold. Like Simeon and Anna both, I pray that this time of waiting for you 
now, that you are now in, will arouse in you an awareness of the greater ache of your soul, the yearning to see Jesus. Ask that the Lord would use the external circumstantial experience of waiting in your present moment to draw your eyes to him. May you look to him and declare like Simeon, my eyes have seen your salvation, a light of revelation. Look again today and every day and see in Jesus the true and greater object for which your heart longs. Ask that he would lead you to new heights and new vistas that you may see Jesus in a way like never before. And may he fill you with hope and with, uh, and with joyful anticipation toward the day when you will see him face to face, when you will feel his embrace, when you will experience the unfathomable depths of his love. And once and for all, the pining of your soul will be satisfied as you gaze upon him. And the wait will be over. God is indeed at work in your waiting. And may the Lord bless you as you wait on him. Amen.